Last One to the Party, the podcast where we check in with someone who's checking out a classic film, long-running TV show, or legendary performer for the very first time. Welcome to this episode of Last One to the Party. This is going to be our season finale for 2020, uh, right up against it. Just going to take a look back at our inaugural season, born out of the beginnings of the quarantine and pandemic. Uh, the podcast was started because, you know, our first episode, because Jess hadn't seen Beverly Hills Cop, which seemed an anomaly to me. It seemed strange that she hadn't seen it. How could that be? It seemed like that was an evergreen perennial movie, if ever there was one, something that everybody had seen. And so I was surprised because, you know, Jess is much younger than I am, but not much, much younger than I am. It seemed like it would have been on her radar in the age of blockbuster rentals, but it just never made it its way to her. So as we discussed in the podcast, if you've been listening since the beginning or you want to pause here and go back and listen to it now, this is all redundant because I we talked about it in that episode. But at any rate, we kept going, and she she grew weary of the assignments that I had for her. Oh, you've got to see this. Oh, you've got to see that. And she was like, you know, a lot of these movies are just white dude movies of a certain age. And I was like, yeah, well, that's like, it's inescapable. I'm a white dude of a certain age. And so we tried to branch out and do other things. We did the Patty Lapone episode, one of John Flynn's favorites. John Flynn, who I know is one of our regular listeners, I've got it. We've got a couple of regulars, so I'm pleased with that. It's a small, tight knit group here. So we branched out. We did the Patty Lapone episode. We did um, what was that movie called? Widows. Uh, we did Fleabag. What else did we do? We did a bunch. I'm trying to look them up quickly and make it seem slick and smooth. Yeah, we did What's Up Doc. We did Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Some things that you know were sort of in the the zeitgeist, as I like to say, uh, of my growing up, youth, childhood, whatever. And th these were things that didn't t stand the test of time, which surprised me. So, yeah, so that was the main impetus for this was like, what is lasting? Oh, women under, women under the Influence. That was one. And Widows, that was the one I was trying to think of. So those were those were a couple of the ones that we did that just sort of was like, we got to bring you into this. You're, you know, you're not immune to this thing. But I think ultimately, as I reflect, reflected back on what I was going to do for this particular episode. I didn't have anybody lined up or anything like that, but I wanted to do like an official like podcast and not just like have radio silence and have you tight knit group out there wondering what happened. This was my favorite 30 to 40 minutes of the week, <laughs> which I presume it is. I, I realize now like the deeper philosophical subtext of this is uh, obsolescence. You know, those things that we felt shaped us and were part of us and would be around forever and certainly would shape subsequent generations don't last i mean with rare exceptions the beatles are maybe the one glaring exception and i think also part of it is my generation was perhaps the last to be caught in the wave of whatever was popularized by baby boomers you know records and movies and those things were kind of you know, lionized and, and, and whatnot by that generation. And so coming up, that was sort of what we had, records and movies, and those were the things that you gravitated towards. And now it's become so splintered and so wild, west, wide open, you know, the gatekeepers are gone. And in, in, in my day, 
you know, you'd listen to the radio and the DJ was oftentimes relatively important. You know, I, I have memories of listening to K-San and K-Fog. And those DJs got to play a lot of what they wanted because in starting around 1978, the mix of things that they played was kind of wide. It would go from, you know, the hard rock of the day, those were both rock stations, to new wave, which maybe doesn't sound like that much now, but at the time that was a broad swath to be cutting. And so it was exciting and interesting and you had these people sort of shepherding you through. And now I think... You go on TikTok and you go on YouTube and you kind of find things yourself where people tell you and it's word of mouth. But there's it's both good and bad, as many people have discussed ad nauseum, you know, cultural experts will go into the importance of gatekeepers and the importance of having it be wide open. I think I think for a lot of musicians, they're they're finding that the promises are not really there. They're not being kept in terms of streaming revenue. and, And it's. You know, that was maybe just a perfect little bubble in time where people could make a record and make 48 gazillion dollars. <laughs> and now it's like you got a tour and it's almost more important to sell merchandise and to have a YouTube channel than to, you know, have musical integrity, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to shoot anybody down, but, you know, it's like clearly Bob Dylan saw the writing on the wall. He sold his catalog for 600 bazillion dollars because he knew that streaming wasn't going to be a source of income. And he's 70 something. And you know, he's got 60 million dollars now to do with as he will. So good for him. Anyway, so I think to get back to my original idea, I was really thinking about like, oh, I'm at that age where I'm my cultural touchstones are becoming obsolete. and They're fading away, being washed away by the incoming surf and it's important i think also to stay current jess had an acting teacher george morrison who talked about well into his 70s talked about teaching was a great way for him to feel like he could stay current and stay in touch with a younger generation and it's funny because i was teaching you know improv in new york and the median age of every improv student who starts is 25 so when i was you know 30 and teaching you know whatever it was not that much difference, but then as I got older, the incoming students all stayed the same age. Then it becomes more of a gap that you're having to bridge, and you can still kind of do it, but you start to realize your references don't make any sense to them anymore. You know, as I was sort of finishing up teaching in New York, I would make references to, I don't know, Ghostbusters or meatballs or something as an example of a way to illustrate a particular improv concept or whatever and there'd be these blank looks and you know there's an improv warm-up game called hey fred schneider where you just go around the circle and say hey fred schneider what are you doing and somebody in fred schneider from the b-52s in his voice they say washing my car and eating a potato and nobody knows who fred schneider is they just think it's a weird funny thing to do so anyway all of this to say this has uh, revealed my struggle with obsolescence. And um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, I went and I finally saw every, thanks to this podcast, I have seen all of the episodes of Steven Universe. I'd seen the Steven Universe movie, and now I've seen all the episodes of Steven Universe Future. And I cannot recommend that show enough. I feel like the episodes are all 10 minutes long, except for maybe the series, the first series finale is... 40 minutes, a half an hour. It's fantastic. It's so artful the way they deliver these elevated messages about not only inclusion and diversity, but also a 
emotional maturity and friendship and love and support. It's great. And the episodes are 10 minutes long. So watch two episodes one day, two episodes the next. Watch Steven Universe. It's really funny, and it's also deep. It's really good. So that was one of the really great takeaways that I loved from the um, from the podcast. Exposing the dark past of hotties was fun and funny. Eye-opening to talk to so many people who would have liked to have talked to more. I don't think I should revisit hotties. We've exhausted that topic. Nobody. I don't think I care enough about it, let alone anybody else who wasn't involved with it. Fully enjoyed being able to interview my old, old friend, Highland Harris, and talk about Watermelon Man and Putney Swope. And I love... Highland is full of hilarious observations and theories. And so the fact that we got some on the podcast, uh, like the turtleneck theory, I'm so delighted that that came out. Uh, So that was great. And also delightful to have two episodes with Rollins. You know, those are going to be nice time capsule things in about five years. I'll go back and listen and be like, God, was he ever that young? I already have that now when when Time Hop throws up a picture of Rollins and it's like, was he ever that young? young it doesn't seem possible so yeah so a lot of good fun things came out of it i I may try to mix it up a little bit in the next season in 2021 Uh, i may have to make it less dependent on guests because it's just hard to coordinate everybody's schedule it's just tough um so i don't want there to be gaps i'd like to keep it going on a on a weekly basis oh i will say one of my favorite episodes it was a two-parter was the Seinfeld episode really really great conversation with DeHaley who is my wife's friend but I have now this very platonic crush on her from that conversation it was so interesting and fun and funny and um that was really a great discovery and I should also thank everybody who participated in the podcast so off the top of my head Tara Copeland I know did it Jess of course did it Rollins of course did it Ben Bromfield did at least two of them uh Vaughn Dexter Montague terrific on The Godfather Erica Smith on Hotties also Rick Younger and uh BJ Gallagher who I also talked to for Hotties that was exciting um Josh Simpson who we talked to about Alien and and Terminator that was great Highland I already mentioned, Jess I already mentioned, what else? Let me click through on the page here to see what strikes me. Uh, we did feature John Flynn. John Flynn had the rebuttal on Patty Lapone, and uh, Rebecca Delgado-Smith had our rebuttal on Titanic. I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. I'm going to be kicking myself. Oh, Andrew Eastwick did Working Girl. That was great. Ah, yes, Lisa Timmons did Titanic. That was fantastic. That was really, really funny. Uh, thanks to me for doing Widows. That's ridiculous. And that's about it. That's, I think, everybody who did it. If I've left you off, I do apologize. I was looking at the list quickly and, and just going by the seat of my pants. And the other big news, I guess, is uh, on this day, December 23rd, 2020, the UCB announced that they lost their sunset location on the on Sunset Boulevard which was a huge, huge facility with a couple of stages and a cafe and their own rooms for teaching all their classes and a podcasting studio and I think an AV studio that they had set up and they had all these designs for. They just, the COVID, they couldn't keep up the mortgage and so they've 
they've lost that space and so the big the big bright red upright citizens brigade sign is going to come down I, I don't know write write me an email if you think i should do like an oral history of the ucb i was thinking i would get friends and interview them about the ucb and the this 20-year history of the UCB, which most of it's going to be weighted towards the beginning years. But so many times the history is focused on the people who became famous out of the UCB, and that's a small percentage of what made that place what it was. And so I know that there's other people who are still around and who I still can contact and could you know, offer a better sense of what the whole scene was like. So, I don't know, send us an email at lastonetothepartypodcast at gmail.com if you want to hear an episode about that like an audio history, oral history, rather, of the UCB theater. Um, and I'll just interview everybody and then put it together post-production style. Um, thank you to Mark Marin for never... Uh, this podcast is so small that he never found out that I, <laughs> that I did a uh, faux WTF episode featuring me. Uh, so thank you for not sending me a cease and desist letter. I appreciate that. That was maybe my most fun episode to do because it, it involves so many little editing tricks that I delighted in, but when done properly, you would not notice as the listener. And I, hopefully people who listened, <laughs> my secret hope is that you didn't realize it was a joke until the very end. Uh, that would be delightful to no end. At any rate, um, I don't know how much else I can say about this season. It I didn't really have any, you know, I sort of, dove in with both feet kind of half planned it out of what it should be and learned on my way um so i I don't know that season two will be any different given that i've got to balance a wife kids and an outside job but uh i'll do what i can i do enjoy doing it and i'd like to do more of it i'd like to expand its scope and its reach and its depth and its breadth uh, so we'll see. Also, a special secret shout out to my friend Warren Weberg, who gave me some uh, inside info on certain movies that didn't necessarily make it on the podcast. But I love it when he reaches out. and He's like, hey, get a load of this picture. This is how they shot that scene in Taxi Driver. That stuff is probably available if you Google it. But, uh, you know, I didn't didn't occur to me. So he was he was really instrumental in making this more fun as well by giving me like secret background behind the scenes stuff. And also, uh, thanks to my mom for listening every week. I think, mom, did you miss a couple? It's okay if you did. <laughs> so uh, that will do it for our, our year-end roundup. Uh, you know, for a split second, I had delusions of editing, you know, my favorite clips into it. But I do not, I have the inclination, but I don't, just didn't have the time to go and pick them all out. When I have a staff, when I have interns, then we'll do one of those and maybe retroactively do one for season one so that we can have a best of for everybody. We'll do that. Uh, so thank you for subscribing. Hopefully you subscribed and uh, thank you for listening every week. I've got some ideas for maybe other podcasts to, to launch. So we may see those come out and, and maybe expand out into the world of Patreon. I don't know. I don't know if I have that kind of mojo. You tell me. Again, uh, send an email to last one to the pod last one to the podcast party. That's not it. Last one to the party podcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in kind of an oral history of the UCB, if it's just like me, you know, chasing my own tail. I'm of mixed feelings about doing it, you know. It's been a long time since I did anything 
on a consistent basis there. So I'm kind of like, oh, it feels like going back to high school in a way. So I don't know. I could be talked into it, though. Uh, if there's, <laughs> let's say, three. If three people write in and say, you should do it, that's probably enough to make me do it. So anyway, all of that to say, uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be off probably for at least a couple of weeks while we get through the holidays and eat too much pie and all of that stuff. Jess is uh, embarking on cooking Colombian Christmas foods, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll maybe have a little uh, conversation about that when we come back. But again, thank you so much for listening. We will be back after the new year with more new episodes and maybe some slight changes in direction for this particular podcast, but nothing drastic. Maybe some new podcasts that I can approach you uh, about and talk to you about. Maybe have some people be interviewed for. Anyway, I feel like I'm babbling at this point. I used to do this to friends where I would deliberately leave really sprawling messages on their answering machines. Last one of the party on answering machines, anybody? And I did that to one person until I used up his entire tape, and he was both laughing and furious. But I considered it a badge of honor because I just was babbling like this, on and on and on. Just total stream of consciousness. At any rate, that will do it for this final season wrap up thank you to everybody who participated in the show i really appreciate it you made it great and fun and enjoyable and thank you everybody who listened to the show some of you are in both camps (laughs) listeners and participants uh i make no distinctions thank you to both and uh we will see you after the new year If you'd like to follow Jessica online, you can find her on Instagram at Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. And Elena is E-L-A-I-N-A. Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. You can follow me on Instagram at James underscore Eason underscore music. The show is produced and edited by me, James Eason, and the theme music is composed by me, James Eason.